Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. All right, welcome to Pineview Youth Bible Study, guys. I'm so excited about the Sunday nights. Finally, we needed this. I, I turned our regular Bible studies into a, a, a Sunday morning service, so now we got we got to replace the Bible study aspect of it. But I'm excited about this. Pastor has been pushing us to teach what he's teaching, so he's doing kingdom-minded this whole year. So everything we're going to be doing is kingdom-minded. So even starting back here, I'm going to do some kingdom-minded. And I've got, uh, we're going to have some help coming in. Nan's going to be teaching some. Brandon Obajinski is going to come in and teach some. I want you guys to help me. If you guys feel like you're good with it, let me know. I'd, I'd love to have you guys get up here and teach. I don't have to prepare that way. It makes it really easy. <laughs> so, but no, Hannah, for real, like same thing. Like I want you guys, I want you guys to help me as much as you can. So I don't like bugging people and asking them to. So if you want to, let me know. I will, I will make it happen. But we're going to be talking about kingdom-minded all year. So I started this month. We're going to kick it off with Adam's King. We're going to be talking about Adam's King this whole month. But I do teach these Bible studies a little bit different. So if you guys get quiet, I'm going to like lose my mind up here. I need like, I like loud Bible studies. I like for you guys to have input. I want you guys to talk. I need questions. Any questions, please bring me questions. If your friends ask you questions and you want answers, this is where we're going to find them. This is where we sharpen our sword. So that way, whenever we do talk to people, we have the answers that this world is looking for. So, yeah, so any questions, guys, write them down next week. Yeah. Definitely anything and I will I will prepare you know we'll come we'll come with a game plan we'll come with a mindset but I like being derailed so try to so but today we're going to talk about Adam's King and in order to talk about Adam's King I wanted to lay some groundwork because we're gonna we're gonna be going through all of the Old Testament like leading into this year. So we're going to talk about the, all the kingdom from everybody's perspective. So we're going to spend this month talking about Adam's king, and we're going to talk about the kingdom from Adam's point of view. What did he see? What did he experience? Who was God from his point of view? We're going to, and then we're going to go through Abraham. We're going to go through Moses. We're going to go through Jacob. We're going to go right through the Old Testament, maybe talk about Elijah a little bit. And then, and then when we get in later in the year, we'll get into the New Testament. We'll talk about King Jesus and we'll talk about his throne and what it looked like when he was on the earth. And then we'll talk about the New Testament kingdom. And we'll talk about uh, the church and how, he, how the church was being ran as a kingdom after Christ spent how many days teaching the people? Does anybody know that? Does anybody know how many days Jesus spent teaching them how to start the church in the book of Acts? Nobody? Nobody know? Nobody? Eight days, six months. I was going to say 40 days, so he did that. <laughs> Candy's, what was it? What'd you say? You're close. Candy's right because she cheats, because I wrote a song that has lyrics to that in it, so she copied them. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I don't know if you cheated. But I, uh, but no, and, all right, so we get that from the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, matter of fact, let's go there. Let's use this amazing new technology, guys. Let's go to the book of Acts. Right here from the beginning. 
about that about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instruction through the Holy Spirit during the 40 days after he suffered and died. He appeared to the apostle from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So we're going to get into some of that as we uh, go further in. But um, So he spent 40 days teaching them how the church should be ran, how it should be operated. That's why the book of Acts is so important to us. If the book of Acts is to the church like a science lab is to a scientist, it's where we conduct our experiments. I'm never going to implement anything into my church that I don't see in the book of Acts, which is really good. Why, why do we not baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost in this church? Well, we do. We, we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. But there's a reason why we don't baptize in those titles. And the reason why we don't is because that's not in the book of Acts. You can find it one place in the Bible where it's talked about, and that's Matthew 28, 19, but it's not a baptism. It's only a sermon that Jesus has given on the mountain. He's not baptizing anybody. So when he told them, you go and do it like this, he, told, he did say the words. Now, we can argue about that because there's a lot of scholars who say that Matthew 28, 19 has been added to. But even if it is added, even if it was there from the original, it still wouldn't change our doctrine because that wasn't a baptism. That was Jesus giving instruction. But when we flip to the book of Acts, we get actual demonstrations of baptism in the Bible. And in every one of those demonstrations throughout the book of Acts, they baptize in the name of Jesus. So that's how we do it. So we're going to see a lot of that throughout the book of Acts, and we're going to see a lot of how he established his kingdom. But as we talk about that, we clearly see that this kingdom has a king. And our king is King Jesus. Anybody like that guy? Me and Jesus are kind of tight. He's a good guy. So Jesus is the king. So as we go back into the Old Testament, there were some scriptures that I wanted to read to you guys and we could talk about and we can lay a foundation for when we, get, when we start talking about Adam. And one of them is right here in Hebrews 13, verse number 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus is the same now that he's always been. When Jesus said, I and my Father are one, he didn't change later and they become separate. They didn't split off from each other. They were still one and they're still one today. So we see in Hebrews that they are one. Let's go to Revelations chapter. You know, I got Revelations in here three times and, I, and I'm like going to jump back and forth with them. But it'll be important in the end. But Revelations 22 verse 13 it says, look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay, to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. Now, this is Jesus talking here. And he uses the same words that we, we hear Yahweh or God use in the Old Testament. I am the beginning and the end. 
we get this when we read the book of John, it makes all of this make a lot of sense. Because in John chapter 1, we get, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word already existed, and the Word was God, and the Word, well, the Word was with God, and He was God. And He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. That is an amazing scripture. I love that no matter how dark this world gets, they can't put out that light. No matter how dark our lives seem, there's always some light there. And that's what this scripture is referencing, that Christ is stronger than what is in the world. And that's good for us to remember. But we, we see that's because he created the whole world. So he created everything. He was there in the beginning. And when we go back and we read the New Testament, we're not going to hear the name Jesus. We're going to hear God. We're going to hear Lord. We're going to hear Jehovah. We're going to hear actually the word that they used. You're not going to even see it because they weren't even allowed to write it. Which I find it very suspicious that the word Yahweh and Yahshua are so close. And they lost all of the, the nouns in the, in, the, uh, in the Old Testament. And they weren't allowed to write it. So it got kind of confused. And then all of a sudden there pops up this guy named Yahshua, which is so close, who claims to be God, who gets crucified and rises from the dead. So I have a theory in the book of Daniel, chapter 85. <laughs> that, that name... It'd be funny. I'm gonna. That's one of the questions I'm gonna ask God when I get to heaven. I'm gonna be like, "Now, was it Jesus all along? Like, did, did they forget because they wouldn't write it and they wouldn't say it? Like, is that why?" But either way, I want us to understand that we are gonna see pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament. Let's go to let's go to Revelations four first. We're gonna go to Revelations. I got a touch screen, and I still prefer to use the mouse. I don't understand what's wrong with me. Four and two. And it says, here, actually, I might have to get out of this. Uh, I might have to go to the King James Version here. 24 thrones surrounded him, and 24 elders sat on him. And they were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their head. There it is. It's two. Verse two. And instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. Now in the King James Version, it says there was one on it. What, what would you have to say? Chapter four, verse two. That's why I had to put it up there. Because if I tell you guys everything I'm reading, we're going we're gonna to go crazy here. But if I put it up here, then even when I say it wrong, you can see what's right. <laughs> but no, chapter 4, verse 2. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven, and someone was sitting on it. So here's John getting a glimpse of heaven, and he doesn't see three things sitting on a throne. He doesn't see three beings hanging around the throne. He sees one. Who sits on the throne. Now this is this is very important. And I know 
we're, we're doing we're going to cover this because then once we get into Abraham and all this it'll make more sense because we're going to read about in Deuteronomy we're going to read Hero Israel the Lord our God is one and that is like the Israelites bread and butter the Shema Israel is what they call it and that is like that if you ask any true Israelite what is the most important scripture in the Bible, they will quote to you the Shema Israel. Even Jesus Christ himself quoted it when they asked him what was the greatest commandment. He quoted the Shema Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and you will love him with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus quoted that to him, and it's funny because he uses that against them because he knew they were Jewish. So he knew they were already thinking that was the most important scripture in the world. So he quoted that to them, but they were trying to trap him by making him feel like he can't be God if there's only one God. And we, we have people in today's world that are playing the same games that Jesus can't be God if there's God. I, I even have, I have ministers that I listen to on podcasts and that they, they, they've taught me a lot of things in my life. And I heard him at one point say, if you're praying to Jesus, you're praying to the wrong guy. <laughs> He's standing there saying, my father's over there. <laughs> I was like, what is this guy talking about? Because he didn't understand that they are one. So while we go forward, I want to make sure we lay this clear foundation because we're going to see this keep coming up. Does There's anybody only... have any questions about that? Does everybody understand yeah. that? Good. Thank you, Kim. Good. Because that, that is that is the foundation of everything that we're laying out here. No, you're right. And if you guys want me to dig deeper into anything I say, ask me because I will I will dig a little deeper into it. Am I going deeper? But uh, but um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna see this take place throughout the Bible. So we want to make sure that we have this clear understanding. There's one kingdom. There's always been two kingdoms. That's all there's been. There's a dark kingdom. And there's the light kingdom. It's never going to change. It's always going to be the same. So even when we go into the Old Testament, we're going to see the same thing. We're going to see the same kingdoms we're at war. We're going to see it in Tron on Friday. Okay. What? It's the dark versus the light. <laughs> Left field was over there. Somehow you got past it. <laughs> <laughs> we could edit that. I'm not going to edit. So. <laughs> So let's go to Revelations 13 and 8. And my Bible, it's already telling me I better read it in King James here. Good, this guy right over here is holding it up. Was he got a King James right there? Yeah, King James? Yes. My man. Revelations 13 and 8. Go, see this with that person. I'm already there, so that's not a challenge, but. everybody to be in there. 
I'm expecting everybody's name to be written in there. No, it does say not. I didn't read that. But that's why I wanted, That's why I let you read it. I knew you were going to do the best job at it. I was going to mess it all up. But the, the point that I want us to focus on here, though, is that he was prepared to be slain from the foundation of the earth. And that's why John writes about in the beginning he was there. In the creation, he existed. He was the reason. When, before God ever created Adam, he knew Adam was going to fall. He already had a backup plan. He already had Christ ready. He was already prepared before the foundation of the earth. So we're going we're gonna to see Jesus make an entrance in, in all of these places throughout the Bible. And I want us to have a clear mindset as we talk about this kingdom that John's kingdom definitely had Jesus in it. So let's go to John 8.48. Because now we're going to hear Jesus actually defend this himself. So Jesus is having a discussion with them. We'll start in verse 31 here. Jesus is having a discussion with them, an argument, if you will. Of course, these uh, Pharisees. Gee, they, there's, another, there's another Christian slang word we can add to the list. Pharisees. Like next time someone cuts me off in traffic, Pharisees. Sadducee. Get out of my way. <laughs> so Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we shall be set free? So here, we see this entanglement right away where people, where Jesus starts talking. He's, he's teaching them about the kingdom here. And they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're, we're stuck in Abraham's day. Like, we're, we're back in Old Testament. I can't see you in the Old Testament. So I don't know whether or not to believe anything you're saying here. So we're, we have the same situation with people today in this world. If they get caught up, in the, they'll talk Old Testament all day long, and then you bring up Jesus, and they're, like, lost to it because they're stuck in the Old Testament days. So Jesus replies, I tell you the truth, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham. And yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your heart for my message. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father. But you are following the advice of your father. So Jesus is even preluding to this. Like, I'm telling you guys what I've seen when me and, me and God were one, when we created the world, when everything began. I'm telling you about the beginning here. But you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied. If you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow my example. Instead, you are trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such things. No, you are imitating your real father. 
They replied, we are not illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. They're putting this big emphasis because it's Abraham. He's the father of their religion. Abraham was the one person selected by God to be his chosen people. When he scattered all of the other nations to other gods, he chose Abraham to be his chosen people. So that's why there's this connection with Abraham. And they're like, we are sons of Abraham. So we're, we're God's chosen people. But he tells them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. Now, I, hold on, I got, I got to point this out here too. He tells them, you're from the other kingdom. He tells them, you're listening to your father. You're listening to your family. You're not part of this family. So here we can see that God is showing them that there was a divide of kingdoms from the beginning. He's telling them, even in Abraham's day, there was a dividing kingdom. Just like I said a second ago, everybody else was given over and Jesus chose Abraham. There was a divide. He divided. He gave off all of the other descendants on earth. He was like, you guys are no longer part of my children. You're not listening. You're not obeying my rules. You don't care about my laws. So I'm not going to be your God no more. Abraham, I'll be your God. So he's, we see this divide in the kingdom right away. And, and Jesus is pointing that out here. There is a divide. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are children of your father, the devil. The one, no. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can, tr can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens, listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. That's powerful, right? consistent with his character that he is a liar and it's amazing how God's character is that he's just and that he's fair and that he's truthful and he's always faithful the people retorted you Samaritan devil didn't we say all along that you were possessed with a demon no Jesus said I have no demon in me for I honor my father and you dishonor me and though I have no wish to glorify myself God is going to glorify me he is the true judge. I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teachings will never die. And the people said, now we know you are possessed by a demon. <laughs> How stupid are people? <laughs> Just to be talking to Jesus like that, like, man, you're possessed. <laughs> anyone who obeys my teachings will never die. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think? You are. And Jesus answers, if I want to glorify myself, it doesn't count. But it is my Father who will glorify me. You say, He is our God, but you don't even know Him. I know Him. If I said otherwise, I would be a, great, a greater liar than you are. But I do know Him and obey Him. 
Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. So Jesus is like, me and Abraham, we're homeboys from way back. <laughs> He's like, you guys don't even understand Abraham. Me and Abraham know each other. Abraham looked forward to me coming. He knew the plan that God had all along. He, that's how he understood he could have a multitude. He, it wouldn't have made sense that God promised him a multitude of people if it wasn't for him understanding Jesus' role. He saw the kingdom in his day. That's, that's powerful. That's why, that's why I'm excited about going through all this because we're, we're going to see there, Adam wasn't, wasn't lack of, he didn't have the lack of understanding that we assume he does. That he didn't understand the kingdom. and He didn't understand Jesus. And the kingdoms have always existed. Abraham understood the kingdom. Adam understood the kingdom. They all understood the kingdom. We understand the kingdom. Even though people act like they're silly right now. Like every movie is about good and evil. Everything is about light and dark. Everything is about bad and good. We understand that there are two kingdoms out there. You know, we, we did a podcast a little bit ago that was, you know, how do I know God exists? That's one of the biggest factors right there. The fact that there's good and evil on the earth. The fact that you still taste the apple in your mouth that Adam took a bite out of. That's proof that there is a God because there's good and there's evil. There's two kingdoms that are, that are existing on this earth today. And the people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? So here they're calling him right out on it now. They're like, all this stuff you're saying, you're acting like you and Abraham are homeboys. And you're not even 50 years old. How can you possibly be friends with Abraham? How can you know what Abraham was thinking? How can you understand all these things? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. This is, this is like one of the most controversial spots right here. That's why, like, Jesus is so cool. Like, he's, his whole character throughout the Bible cracks me up. Like, even, like, the stories he tells and, like, the way he acts is, like, it's so brilliant that I find humor in it. Same thing right here. Like, the words he used here are magical. He could have said anything else. He could have been like, look, all right, whatever, me and Abraham are cool. You guys get out of here. Like, he could have told him, talk to the hand. Is that, is that dating me? Is it dating? It is dating me. Yeah, I like that. He could have told him, talk to the hand. <laughs> every, every youth member in here is like, what is he talking about? <laughs> but, uh, no, but he could have used a lot of other words. But Jesus specifically chose these words for a reason. He tells them, before Abraham was even born, I am. Because when Abraham was having a conversation with the king about the kingdom, he tells him, if I go over to Egypt and I have to fight with these foreign gods, who am I going to tell them sent me? Who's the god that's sending me to Egypt? And God, the king of our kingdom, tells him, tell them the I am sent you. So right away when Jesus says, before Abraham was even born, I am. He actually takes the words out of Yahweh's mouth. That's why they picked up the stones to stone him. They wouldn't have stoned him just for thinking he knew Abraham. 
Like there were crazy people who claimed all kinds of stuff. That wouldn't have cost him being stoned. The reason why they wanted to stone him was because he was claiming to be God. He was saying, me and God are one. I'm the one who sent Abraham. I'm the one who told him I am the I am. So that's, that's a powerful reference here. And it goes to solidify this foundation that we're pouring here that the kingdom has always been the same. When Adam originally was created, he was created knowing that there was a kingdom. So let's go to creation. You see, and I'm already like wanting to reach for my Bible so bad. Like I love I love electronics and all, but there's there's just something about a Bible in my hand that just makes everything in life so much easier. Like I'm so used to using it that I can flip through it way easier than I can this electric Bible. Which doesn't make any sense because this Bible is actually the same thing. <laughs> so, let's look at this in chapter 1, verses 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. That's a pretty weird statement coming from the guy who was eventually going to write Deuteronomy and who was eventually going to say there is one God. So why do we have this plural in this sentence here? Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry around on the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So, any theory? You got a hand? some deep dive in there. Does anybody else have a thought on that? Am I teaching stuff you guys already know? Yes. Simeon's got it. But we're going we're, we're to explore this. We're going to dig into it. We're going to dig into this and we're not going to be afraid because guess what? I got told a lot of wrong stuff about this scripture. I was told by people who have been in ministry their entire life and they told me things that didn't make any sense to me. And it left me confused. And I had to go home and I had to restudy and I had to refigure it out for myself. But I'll tell you what, God is not a God of confusion. The devil is the one who brings confusion. So nothing in this Bible should confuse us if we're looking at it through the lens that God wants us to look at it through. So let's go through it again here. He says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And then he says right afterwards, he created them in his own image. So it goes, it goes back singular. Starts off in plural, goes back singular. Now Simeon hit the nail on the head there. Why is he saying it in plural? Because we know, 
We just read in John that all things were created through Christ. We, we know that Deuteronomy 6.4 says that they, they, there is one God. We just read in Revelations where it says there was one who sat on the throne. We just seen three or four different scriptures where Jesus literally quotes the words of Yahweh as if they're his own. He quotes, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, I'm the beginning and the end. I am the I am. So we know that one person created everything. We know that one person created everything, one God created everything. But why is he saying it in plural here? Anybody want to answer that question? Yes. Could be, but that kind of makes God sound like schizophrenic. And he's not. Even when Jesus prayed, he only did it as an example. He said all along, me and my father are one. Me and my father are one. So it's not that three were created. All right, here's, here's another concept to show you how those three are one without them ever being separated because they're not ever separated. Who overshadowed Mary when she became pregnant with Jesus? Was it God? What does the Bible say? The Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit overshadows her. But then it says he's the son of God. Then it says he's got God's blood in him. And it says God wrapped himself in flesh and came to earth. So when we hear these, it gets a little confusing when we don't understand it. But there are three in one. You know, Just like... Something that always helped me was you know, the, the concept of you know, your father, my dad, was a son. He's a father and he's a husband, but they're right. like titles, but they're right. him. But even, it, you're right, and that's, that's a great way to kind of explain it. I like to go, because we're talking about the beginning, we're talking about creation. We can go to, is it First Thessalonians? You guys, bear with me. I haven't taught a Bible study in like three months. <laughs> I had to relearn this. No, but let's go to, uh, I'm not going to be able to find it this quick off the cuff. It's in Thessalonians. If someone wants to Google it. Thessalonians, it says that it's right in the beginning of 1 Thessalonians. But it says that, here it is. Here it is. Look at, you see? This is why I got to have a Bible in my hand. Like it literally opened up to the page that I wanted to read. It's amazing. Now, this is, uh, this is 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he, for he is who calls you, for he who calls you is faithful. So, here in Thessalonians, Paul's writing. He's writing to a church of new believers. So he's not just writing to anybody. He's writing to a specific group, and that's important. But he tells them, you are whole. I want God to give you peace in your whole body. And then he tells them what their whole body exists of. And he says, your spirit, your soul, and your body. Now, we're getting into this right here. We're going to read this in a second when he creates man. But he creates man a body from the ground. God breathes into his nostril, right? Now, what is the Hebrew? What's a Hebrew word? The Hebrew word for spirit. 
I'll put it this way. The Hebrew word for spirit. Because guess what? We are not going to get into Hebrew in this because I don't speak Hebrew. So we're just going to study things in English. How do you like that? We're English. We can do that. But another phrase for, for, for spirit in Hebrew is the breath or the wind. So Jesus breathes a spirit into Adam and then Adam became a living soul. That's what we're, it's, we're about to read it. I, I jumped forward. I'm sorry. But he was created with a soul, a body, and a spirit. That was how Adam was originally created here. So we see that you, Josh, are three in one. You have a soul, you have a body, and if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you have a spirit in you. But you have all three in one. Now, we were made in whose image? God's image. So we were made the same way. We were made in three and one, just like God is three and one. However, it does not separate who he is. And me being three and one still would not use this. <laughs> I was going to get into a pronoun war in this day and age. <laughs> I was going to get into a pronoun war in this day and age. I'm sorry, but I, it would not be correct for me to use the pronouns. We <laughs> it would not be correct. I'm sorry. <laughs> it makes more sense for me to say I because I am singular as a person, even though I'm three and one. Yeah, Jesus didn't say we are. He said I. Right, and Jesus ain't stupid. Jesus ain't stupid. So when he writes this in his holy word, and Moses, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, writes these words down. He didn't make a mistake. There are no mistakes in our Bible. If you think you found a mistake, you just haven't studied enough. As soon as you study a little bit more, that mistake will go away and it'll make perfect sense because God is perfect and His Word is perfect. So He didn't make a mistake here. That's why in the very next scripture, it says it in singular form because we know everyone was created by one person. But what God is doing here, He's talking to things that also have his image. Because that would make perfect sense, right? Right. If I created something in my image, I can say to it, hey, let's make man in our own image, even if it can't create anything. Because it can't. Because there's only one God. That is so powerful. There's only one God who can create. There's only one God who can make things. But he has things in his image. Why do you think our world has small g gods? We call them gods. But we know they ain't the real god. They don't get the big G because they can't create anything. But we, they, do, they do get called a god with a little g because they have that image of a god. And we can't understand why they're so different, but there's an image of god. We had this happen throughout history, and it's going to happen more and more and more because the Bible says that it's going to be like in the days of Noah when Jesus returns. And in the days of Noah, they had false gods that they believed walking the earth, and they thought they were real gods. And we're coming to a time in the world where it's going to be that way again. So it's important for us to understand that in God's kingdom, from Adam's point of view, there were things that bore his image. And it's not hard to understand because in the very next scripture, God created human beings in his own image. 
So now we're created in God's image. This this is empowering right here. Like this is this is I wouldn't be in ministry if I didn't really get this this right here, this key. We are made in his image. What does that mean that I'm made in God's image? I'm a little G. Yeah. So when you say that people start saying uh, worshiping uh, these false gods, will they does, does that mean that they'll be saying all oh, this not in like in the future that they'll be saying all oh, this is a literal God? Or will, or does it mean more as people will be treated like how people may idolize famous other people famous people right. treat them as gods in their life? Right. Would it be like people treating them as gods or literally saying they are a God? To answer that question, when we look in the Bible and we see people sacrificing their children to a God, do you think they thought that God was fake? Because I'm not killing my child unless I'm pretty positive it's a God. It, I better, I'm going to at least think it was a God. Now, we know that when in Moses, when he shows up in Egypt, he throws down his staff. They throw down their staff. Turns into a snake too. He turned water to blood. They turned water to blood too. This kept going. And when you're, this is why it's so exciting, guys. Like I, I love these topics, and I love digging deep into the Word of God because it, it really blows your mind. The more you, the more you open up to the Word of God. You, I've read this Bible over forty times, and it, and every single time it's impressive again. And and it's because of things like this. Moses, when he's standing in Egypt. He's performing these miracles that are amazing, that only God can perform. Only God can defy the laws of physics and creation. Only God can break those rules. The rules that we know are in place in science, only somebody outside of our realm can step in and manipulate those laws. We can't. But they did in Egypt. They were gods who were manipulating those laws. They were changing the laws of physics. They were working things out. We, we've even, we even hear in the Bible, and look at that again, Second Samuel. I got, I love a printed Bible. An electronic, I couldn't have done that. But in Samuel, they summon the spirit of Saul. We read all about it in the Bible. It's not lying about it when it says it's in there. How do you summon somebody from the dead? That's against, that's against the laws of physics. That's not, that's not something that we can see happen in the laws of this universe unless it's a being who could break those laws. And we see that there are beings that are created in heaven that are in God's image. So they do have the ability to do some of the things that God can do. He gave them that ability. Now they don't have the ability to create things. They had the ability to destroy. Satan destroyed the earth. The enemy is deceptive. So he's right. throwing tricks. Mm -hmm. and, and this is what this is what's so powerful about it too is because everything that we're saying about these these false gods we're made in his image too we're made in his image too so nothing should be that why, why that's why Paul writes do you not realize that you will judge angels one day so he told him he's like don't you guys realize you're made in his image too we're all in the same image like the angels aren't, aren't more powerful than we are we're all made in his image However, the angels are from the heavens. We are from the earth. So there's a little bit of a difference there in the spiritual realm. Now, why? Well, what is the image of God? 
Because this is what we're talking about. We're talking about King, King Jesus, King God, Adam's king. What was this image? What did he see? What was he like? He was the God of the universe. He ruled over everything. He reigned supreme over the whole, all of creation. So when he makes something in his image, he makes them to rule over. He, he made the angels in his image to rule over the heavenly realm. So he had his image bearers who ruled over heaven. And then he said, let us create human beings in our image and we'll let them rule over the earth. Then, so let's go on here to 28. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. So now God's showing you about his character because he makes man and then he tells them, now you're made in my image. This is what I expect out of my image. This is who I am. This is what I want you to do. This is who I want you to be like. So he tells them, be fruitful and multiply. So there we see a characteristic of Adam's king. Adam's king is fruitful and he is a multiplier. Why did God make the earth? That's why. Because he's fruitful and he multiplies. That's why he, when he says he's going to fold up this universe like a napkin and throw it away, it says he's going to make another one. He's going to make a new earth. He's going to make a new Jerusalem. He's going to make a new heaven. Why is he going to do all that? Because he's fruitful and he multiplies. That's why we have to be fruitful and multiply. That's why when I want to get a better job and I want to make more money, it's not an ungodly characteristic. That is godly because that's who God is. God is fruitful and he multiplies. We want to be fruitful and multiply. When we see a man who's lazy and doesn't multiply and doesn't produce fruit, there's something inside of us that goes, that's wrong. Because we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply. That's what he's called us to do. Fill the earth and govern it. So now he tells them, this is who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm fruitful. I multiply. I fill the earth. I'm going to fill this whole earth with people and things. That's why we're filling this earth. I don't, I don't care if they think there's a population problem. We're going to fill this earth. That's what God would do. And we're made in his image. And that's what we're going to do. I want to fill this earth. I'm also given the responsibility to govern over it. It was man's responsibility to govern over the earth. The same way God made angels in heaven in his image to govern over the heavens. He made man in his image to govern over the earth. He says reign over. He doesn't talk to him like he's a slave, like he's lesser. He's like, you're in my image. You're a king. You're going to govern. You're going to reign. You're going to multiply. You're going to fill the earth. You're going to control all of this space. It's in your hands. Man, Dan, why do bad things happen? We're talking about that on our podcast yeah, next one. Why do bad things happen if God's so good? That's why. Because man is supposed to be governing and reigning mm -hmm. over this earth. If anything goes wrong on this earth, guess what? It's not God's fault because he gave us the responsibility to govern and reign over it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry around along on the ground. I'm already way past time, guys. <laughs> but is anybody enjoying this? Is anybody understanding stuff? Are we learning? Are we growing? Because that's what's important. 
When I started doing Bible studies a long time ago, the only reason I did Bible studies was because I, I realized that most people don't read their Bible. So if they come to me in a Bible study, I'm going to read as much of the Bible to them as I can. Because <laughs> that, that might be the only Bible they get that week. And, it, and it, I watched it change people's life because the Word of God changes people's lives. It's not me, it's not what we can do, but it's God's Word. And the more of it we can put into people's lives, the more it can change their life. The more we study it, the more we understand this book, the better our life becomes. Oh, and it's kind of like earlier kind of touching that subject again, just like in Sunday school, where you, were, you know, you asked, you know, do they really believe they're a God, or are they just treating them like it? And the enemy, I think, creates a lot of trickery in our lives, and that's why it's so important that we read our Bible and we know who God is, so we aren't falling for the tricks and having a good heart and intent, but falling for the tricks of thinking, you're a God. When if I know what my Bible says, exactly. then I'm going to be built on that firm foundation and I'm going to immediately know that my spirit, right. like, you're not. Because there's a lot of people on this earth that... they're not bad. It, people aren't bad right. for believing it. I don't, I don't think they're horrible. I think it's sad that the enemy is able to whisper in their ear. But if we don't understand so our Bibles, I grew up in my life being taught that there is no such thing as false gods. The Bible says there are none that stands beside me. There are none who stand beside God. I get that. But it doesn't say he didn't create things in his image. It says he created things in his image. And his image oh, is God. Yeah. So we know he created these things. And when we, if we don't have that understanding, like when I used to think, like, all right, there's no such thing. I thought it was, you know, there's God, there's the devil who's cast away somewhere and God's going to punish later and false gods aren't real and I, I didn't believe in any of this but guess what if someone showed up at my house who could make fire appear and could raise someone from the dead and do these mighty works I like many people in this Bible would be convinced that they're a God because I don't think there's anything beside God I don't think there's anything else that holds some type of power like that, yeah. yeah like uh, in Greek mythology, all these false gods and things, I think those are just like forms of demons and uh, demonic powers that the devil probably gave demons somehow. Or like... What is a demon? What is a devil? Mm -hmm. that is, yeah. What do we, I mean, I mean, I'm not, that's not a trick question. What, like, what is it? Just like fallen angel. So... You know, yes. Fallen angels are just things that were created honor. in God's image yeah. that fell. That are here. That are just stuck. Yeah. That's so powerful. People, people are worshiping these A powerful ideas. Image. Yeah, these these powerful images. Right. But are false, and so they're saying, "Oh, this is a God," and they give him a name and they worship him. Yeah, you're worshiping a power. You definitely are. Right. And, and you, whatever they saw that said, "Oh, he's." God of lightning or weird stuff like that. I'm sure they saw it. I have no doubt they saw right. some brain max of lightning from some yeah. demon, but like right. fallen, fallen for, for, a, fallen angel, for a trick like, of a lesser God. Yeah, right. I think they saw it, but it's that's just a fallen angel they saw. And right. They began to worship. And we we have God. we have that the Bible tells us that that's gonna happen again. Yeah. yeah. It says it will even deceive the elite. There's, it's coming a time. There's going to be, you know, the, the Antichrist. We hear, we know about the Antichrist. He's going to do great miracles. He's going to do one. He's going to, he's going to lay dead in the street and raise again. Like we know these things. You can see in other like false religions, like most of them obeying um, their false god is fear driven. 
there's like almost no other that is loved. But it wouldn't it would there wouldn't be any fear there. It wouldn't be any fear there if it was imaginary. That's one of the greatest things about the disciples, like the fact that they gave their life showed they truly believed Jesus came back from the dead. They wouldn't have done that they, if that weren't the case. We're going to say Chris. Kind of like following what he said. Didn't they say, um, like, fallen angels came down and told men how to build swords and stuff like that? Or like, yes. Showed them up yes. metal and fire. And yes. And that's what, that's where, that's what the Bible talks about in, about them, about them teaching man how to sin. That's what it talks yeah. about. And we're, we're going to, you know, there's a really cool point where Jesus gets caught by the Pharisees. Here we go again, these Pharisees. They catch him again, and they're, they're talking to him. And he's making these claims about being God again. And they're like, how can you make those claims? And Jesus quotes to them Psalms. I say it wrong every time, don't I? What was it? Was it 82? No, it's 30. I, I was say gonna 82. say 89 last time, and I thought it was 82 when we looked at it. Oh, wait. 36. See, I'm missing one of my uh, one of my tools here because my my one tool is uh, Google. He's amazing because <laughs> I could literally Google right now on the phone. Where did Jesus say he are gods? And it'll pop up and it'll show you. But he's yeah, do that for me, Dan, if you don't mind. Because I'd rather have this, uh, I'd rather you guys hear it from the Word of God than just hear me say it. Me saying it. And if, I, if you guys believe me when I say it, you'll believe someone else when they say the opposite. You know what? It's 82. I'm sitting here reading it as I'm telling you this. Okay, so, so they, come to, they come to Jesus and they're like, how, how can you claim, did you see the other scripture where he actually quotes that to them? What is that in? Is that in Luke? I guarantee it's one of the four. John. John. 10, John 34. John 10, 34. Yeah. Find that one for me if you, if you right. don't mind. Because I, I want us to see... Uh, I want us to see uh, what's going on in this when he's talking to them. This is when Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd. He's talking to them about being the shepherd. And this is where he says, I am the gateway. Me and my father are one. The shepherd know me. And what scripture does he do that? In Psalms or no? In John, John, John. It's uh, thirty-four, so ten and thirty-four. Okay, so it's right at the end of that. Go ahead and read it if you don't mind. Uh, and I change. It don't matter. All right. Jesus answered them, "Is it not written in your law? I have said you are gods. If he called them gods." To whom the word of God came, the scripture cannot be set aside. So, there, there, I'm going to read a little bit before that. It says, once again, so here he goes. He's talking to them. Then after they say it to him, then it's... Jesus claims to be the Son of God. So this is starting in 22 here is where he starts talking about I've already told you and you don't believe me. The proof that I do is my father's name. You don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep know my voice. So he's telling them that him, 
at my father's direction, I have done all these good works. So again, he's, he's saying, I, me and my father, want, they pick up stones to stone him again. They're like, you're not God. We're going to stone you. As they get ready to, this is where Jesus' personality is so amazing. But he comes, he comes out and hits him with this. He's like, oh, wait a minute. You guys are going to stone me for this? What about your guys' own book? What about Psalms 82? And he quotes it to them. That's what he's quoting to them. It is written in your scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods. You know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if these people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blaspheme when I say I am the son of God? After all, God set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous work I have done, even if you don't believe in me. Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in my Father. So John does not pull any punches. Like anytime anybody's like, I don't believe that there is one God. I believe there are three. I believe in the Trinity. I'm like, you got, you got to go read the book of John because you missed out. John wrote his gospel later. Everybody else wrote their gospel in about 60 AD. So they all wrote it like 30 years after Jesus died. They were all fresh to it. They were getting on it. Matthew was a writer anyways. Luke was a historian, so he wrote it from that perspective. All three of these Gospels already existed. John wrote his Gospel around 120 AD, and I could be dead wrong on that, and I'm recording it, so I'm really making myself look bad. But I do think it's around 120 AD. That's when John wrote his, his Gospel, for a reason. John looked at the other three and was like, okay, these Gospels are great. But I'm going to write one that makes sure people understand that Jesus Christ is God. That's why John starts his whole book off with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then he says, The Word became flesh. Because he's like, You guys, I know you've read those other Gospels, and they're really good. They make Jesus look like a really good guy. But he's more than that. He's more than just a good guy. John's like, I was there in the temple when he was arguing with the people about me and my father are one, I heard him say these amazing things. And he quotes to them Psalms 82. God pressed over, God presides over heaven's court. So right away, he's talking about God in his heavenly host. That's what, he, that's what he's referring to in this, in this passage. He pronounces judgment on the heavenly beings. How long will you hand down unjust decisions by favoring the wicked? Hmm. Why does this world suck so bad? Here's one reason. Here's one reason. Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the desolate. Rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. That's what everybody wishes was going on in the world today. Why is there so much trouble going on in the world today? I don't get it. Why can't we be delivered from the hands? Why can't the, why can't the people suffering be made easier? Why do we got to see all this pain on this earth? But the, oppressor, but the oppressors know nothing. They are so arrogant. Ignorant. One of those words. They wander about in darkness while the whole world is shaken to the core. I say... You are gods. You are all children of the Most High. So here he refers to them as the children of the Most High, which 
We've, that's been a term for angels all along. But he said to them, you are gods. But you will die like mere mortals and fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, and judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. That's so powerful. Tower of Babel. That's where God divides the nations. God divides the nations and he hands them over. And he says, you know what? These people aren't listening. They, they're not doing what I told them. I had a relationship with them. I'm telling them what I want right. And they're not listening. So he divides the nations into 72 nations. And guess how many nations are still on the earth today? 72. It's almost like God knows what he's doing. But he divides the nations. And then he takes the children of the Most High, the angels, and he says, you're gods. You're their God. I'm not going to be their God anymore. You're their gods. I'm going to be Abraham's God. I'm going to be this chosen person's God. So when Moses goes to Egypt and he's fighting these foreign gods, were they gods? If he divided the nations, if God gave them over to the inheritance of his children, which is another scripture, he's saying... I made them a, a, a small g God. They're not God. They can't create anything. They're not me. They don't have all power. But I made them the God over Egypt. I set this angel. That's a weird thing. Yeah, I set this angel over Egypt. This is Egypt's God. I set 72 of them in place. And in Psalms 82, I ridiculed them for not doing their job right. Because if you're going to be their God, you should be a good God. And you're not being a good God. Look at the oppressed. Look at the orphans. Look at the people who are hurt. Look at the people who say life's not fair. Because they're serving a false God. A little G God. Who can't fix all their problems. Who can't make everything better. But then at the end of the scripture, he says, Rise up, O God. Judge the earth. For all nations belong to you. Why do you think Jesus was so big on not coming back for only the Jews? Why do you think Jesus was so big on reaching the Gentiles? Because no other race belongs to anyone other than God. He is going to rise up and claim all nations to himself. That was the big prophecy about Jesus. He's going to call all nations to himself. People are like, I don't even understand this. You're in Egypt. You belong to Egypt, gods. You're, you're, why, why does he keep telling them when you go to, when you go, when you go to the Canaanites, don't worship their God. Why does he say that in the Old Testament? Because they had a God over them. He knew they had a God over them. He put that God over them. And he was like, when you go there, don't you bow down to that God. Because that's just an angel that I set up in place to take care of these wicked people who won't obey me and won't be in my covenant. Now, go ahead. Yeah. So you're saying that... I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Makes so but much he sense. Has to choose him. He was not the God of Israel because everybody else Very good. On him. Yes. 
So then it doesn't hurt me as much. Because he didn't say, I don't want to be your God. He's saying, you're choosing them? Fine. Yeah. I'll be over here. You can choose me. But it's your choice. Oh, yeah. He's going to make a way. So I do think that God put angels over some nations, I think, to like oversee. But the Bible says that he called those angels God. We just read Jesus say that. And it's in Psalms. Because Both of them said, there. now, hold because on, we've also got to put in perspective too. He doesn't call them a big G God. He, because big G God stands for God Almighty. There's a why, why was he called God Almighty? In the beginning, he was called God Almighty. What does that mean? He's pointing out the fact, that you, you might think you've seen some gods, but I'm God Almighty. I, why, oh, oh, yeah. King of kings, Lord of lords, God of gods. Where, where exactly did it say it again? In what? In what? John oh, 10? Yeah, about this. John 10. John 10 is where Jesus has this, the discussion where he references okay. Psalms 82. Okay. That's good. I'm sorry, guys. I did not expect to dive this deep on the first one. But now we're here. We're at the bottom of the pool now. We might as well try to breathe. But, but. <laughs> Levels. Right. So if somebody doesn't understand it, it's not a point of, oh, you don't understand it. We want to understand it. So and we're going to dig deeper. We're going to dig a lot deeper. But say something because you shouldn't go home that feeling. As much as I like, there's a lot of things that confused me that I just clarified that make a lot more sense to me now. For one, that statement we just talked about King of Kings, Lord of Lord, God of Gods. Why does it say that? You can't be the king of kings if there's no other kings. You can't be the god of small g gods if there's no small g gods. You can't be. I want a shirt that says little g. And now, now, let's think about it this way. Don't you realize that you will judge the angels? What does he mean? What does he mean by that? I'm going to judge the angels? That means one day I might get to look at the angel who was over America, who wasn't taking care of it, and judge him for not taking care of the orphans and the people who needed justice, who never were taken care of. All I know is, we see clearly here that there are multiple things made in God's image. We see that he created man in his image, he created heavenly beings in his image. And we see that he empowers them to govern and rule whatever he puts them over. Because Adam was placed over something. Adam was told, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the animals that scurry along on the ground. Then God said to him, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along on the ground. Everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he said it was very good. God knew everything that was going to take place. He already had Jesus ready to be slain before the foundation of the earth. And he looked over all of it, and he said it is good. Now, I want to, before we wrap this up, I want to talk about one more thing. And it's when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? Because that's, that's a very big 
part of the Bible. And that goes down at a very specific place in the Bible. It says that he was north of a city at the foot of a mountain. Is where Jesus was at. And if you look in your Bible and you find that where that city is, and you look to the north and you find the mountain, they're standing at the foot of Mount Hermon. And that's where Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? Mount Hermon was the downfall. Mount Hermon is where they believe everything went crazy. That's where, where man went awry. And that's where God had to step in and choose Abraham and had to have his people. So he's standing back at the base of where it all began. And he's asking Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the son of God. And God says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Because when God is raised up, he's going to call all men to him. He was telling them, the gates that separate your regions, <laughs> that separate your people and your tribe and your place are all going to crumble when I call every man from every race, from every nation, from every country, from every false god to follow me. Their gates won't keep them from getting to me. Because I came so that all, all who believe, anyone who calls on my name, you no longer belong to that God. Now you're my child. That's why he says that. Now we're children of God. Was he taught? Why would then it's the same thing Jesus is saying in the beginning? He's like, You ain't children of Abraham. If you were children of Abraham, you believe in me. You'd be part of this kingdom. You're not. You're part of the other kingdom. That's what he's talking about. Nah, you're not my people yet. But when you believe in me, then you'll be my people, and I'll be your God. So, let's wrap it up. I'm sure next week you guys will have a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Rec I'm glad I'm recording this, and I'm gonna put this on our page because if your parents come back to me like, "What did you say, Daniel?" I'm gonna say you're gonna have to watch the video. <laughs> watch the video and see if I made a mess of things. So let's pray. Let's wrap this up in prayer today. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow your word to sink into our heart, God, that we will continue to seek after your ways, God, that we will follow after what this book actually says. We're not going to just believe what people tell us, but we want to read it and we want to know it for ourselves so that when people come to us with an answer, we can give them your word, God. Not our own opinions, not our own ideas, but your word, God. We worship you and praise you and thank you for everything you've done. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.